On the Empire Podcast this week, Maisie Williams comes in to kick our ass as a delight-hearted board game, Game of Thrones. And Donald Gleeson, who we believe had some good news this week, pops by to talk frankly about Frank, but not Star Wars, because we recorded the interview before that was announced. All that and the usual movie news and nonsense on the only movie podcast that likes to park the pod bus and then hide under the driver's seat until all the other podcasts get fed up and go home. Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which is once again sponsored by those lovely people at Squarespace, all in one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just visit squarespace.com forward slash empire and enter the code EMPIRE. That code again, EMPIRE. Joining me this week are three colleagues who make the Sinister Six look like the Fantastic Four, or is it the other way around? First up's our geek queen, a lady so enamoured with all things Winchester that she's put an offer in for the new cross flat that played the pub of the same name and Shaun of the Dead, a snip at just £360,000. <laughs> it's Helen O'Hara. Hello, I wish I did have £360,000. Combine forces and, and live in one giant empire flat. Well, I think we'd combine forces and live in a really small empire flat, actually, which probably isn't conducive to good relations in the office. It's not. Next up is our podcast editor. He's a wild-haired, wilder-bearded, self-styled, crazy king of the pod booth. Who knows what he'll do or say next? He can say anything. It's Ali Plum. Lemons. You <laughs> see, oh, this guy. Crazy. This guy. <laughs> uh, and last but almost certainly least is a man so enamoured of CG and animatronic dinosaurs that if he doesn't get on the set of Jurassic World, he'll turn into a Triceratops, mm. which is which is a Triceratops, but mm. with... A crisis? It's a... It's 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 Nick Dissemblin. Uh, hello. Hello. I don't need to go on the set of Jurassic World. I what? cloned Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, I'll be honest, it's not going well. <laughs> they're, they're eating people. <laughs> well, Colin Trevorrow's eating people. Mm-hmm. He'll do anything to stay alive, that Trevorrow. Uh, okay, welcome all. Hope you're all good. Are you all good? Everyone yeah. good? Yeah. 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 On to your questions now, which you've been sending in all week, almost as if we've asked you to do so. Uh, first up is an email question from Jeremy Dillon in Sydney, Australia. Good day to you, Dillon. Throw another venomous snake on the Barbie. He says, Good day, because he's clearly a walking cliche. As part of research for an upcoming project, I began thinking about characters who've been portrayed by more than one. This is a long question. Who've been portrayed by more than one actor in the same movie and was curious to hear what Team Empire's favourite examples of this phenomenon are. I'm not talking about the old Howard Jeedle switcheroo where a character swaps actors between movies, uh, like when Harvey Dent went from Billy D. Williams to Tommy Lee Jones. I'm talking about when Tommy Lee Jones becomes Josh Brolin in Men in Black 3 or the cage to fault to stir-fry in Face Off. What are your best and worst instances of actor swapping? Stir-fry? Yeah. Okay. You, know, okay. you, you put some ingredients in the, in the, in the, in the wok and yep. you jumble it around. And I'm on board. Yeah, you got it. Good. So do we have any examples, good or bad, of actors playing uh, two actors playing one character in the same movie? We're going to have a couple this month, obviously, with uh, Days of Future Past. Yeah. Um, I think we've we've got... There's quite a, a lot of good ones where, you know, older... There are older versions of the same character mm-hmm. uh, throughout. I actually think that Albert Finney and Ewan McGregor did quite a good job in, in Big Fish, for example. Mm. I remember being really impressed by the likenesses in... And it's a very bad movie, but Space Cowboys... The casting is ab- absolutely spot on, and you wouldn't think it, but Toby Stevens actually does a good young Clint Eastwood. And uh, and something like Atonement, you've got Saoirse Ronan, Romola Garay, and Vanessa Redgrave playing the same character. Uh, they don't look anything like each other, but by dint of keeping the same mm. hairstyle for 70 years, she manages to almost <laughs> convince you that it's the same person, which is quite good going. Yeah, obviously uh, Godfather Part Two. Indeed. De Niro and Brando, both mm. playing Fito Corleone. Um, 
And again, they don't particularly look anything nah. like each other. But uh, there's enough of a gap. I think Dane DeHaan should play a slightly younger DiCaprio. I 100% agree. Yeah. I would also class Gene Levy as a slightly younger Emma Stone. Who? Eugene Levy. Jane Levy. <laughs> oh, Jane Levy. Jane Levy. Okay. I heard Eugene Levy. I was like, yeah, I heard Eugene Levy. I'm in for that film. <laughs> well, I mean, same eyebrows, you know. <laughs> yeah, just hide the eyebrows. Wow. <laughs> ah, Peter. <laughs> um, if we're talking body swap, let's. You got to talk about George Reinhold, <laughs> <laughs> and you got to talk about um, uh, Fred Savage. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about that. Why not? That uh, was a good one. That's a good one. I would also actually uh, give a shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan in the body swap genre. I know there are many Freaky Fridays. I know that's not the cool one to like, but I just happened to see some of it on TV over the weekend. And actually, they do a very good each other. Mm. So, so Lindsay Lohan one. does a great Lindsay Lohan in The Parent Trap. She does, actually, yes. Mm. You're going to need mannerisms, which I think is why Cage and Travolta works, because they both have quite a few quirks. Oh, yeah. Whereas I don't think uh, the change up a couple of years ago with. Um, Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman they don't really they're quite sort of normal guys and I don't think that really worked because there's mm. not much for them to work with yeah I also like Rob Lowe as the young Robert uh, Wagner in uh, yes. Goldmember oh he's yes. great good call that's a really good one what about Jude Law and Tom Wilkinson in Grand Budapest Hotel I didn't quite buy that one I didn't slightly buy that you, one just Tom, there's a great moment at the beginning with Tom Wilkinson and his, his grandson I think which is just cute how about Looper uh, Gordon Levitt and Bruce Willis I mean not a pair you'd instantly put together, but by dint of a fake nose and a little bit of mannerism, Joseph Gordon-Levitt at least seemed reminiscent of Bruce Willis, if not, you know, exactly spot on. But yeah. The, and the characters were kind of different, so it's because of the time travel thing, they weren't really being the same character, yeah. but they were the same person, but in different timelines, so you can get away with not being the same character, if that makes sense. Indeed. I think the best one in recent years is Zachary Quinto and Leonard Nimoy. That's yes. difficult to beat, isn't it? That's pretty pretty amazing. Very, very good. Uh, yeah. Also a shout-out maybe for I'm Not There, which was the ridiculously uh, experimental Bob Dylan film where you had <laughs> you know, Marcus Carl Franklin, Kate Blanchett, Richard Gere, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger and Ben Wishart all playing um, Bob Dylan, which is, you know, an eclectic cast, I think Absolutely. it's fair to say. And, of course, we mentioned, uh, you know, you saying Quinto and uh, Nimoy. We do have uh, Fassbender McKellen, playing yeah. Magneto in the same movie I mentioned it earlier on but we have um, we're going to get in Days of Future Past James McAvoy and Patrick Stewart's uh, Charles Xavier's in the same scene which is uh, which is going to be fun it's going to be interesting I, I've seen a rough version of that scene and it's going to be um, yeah it's very very good very mm. good very trippy I said this in the podcast before when we reviewed the movie when it came out back in January I think it was uh, Monuments Men at the end of Monuments Men uh, George Clooney's dad Nick Clooney plays an older version of Clooney's character in that movie and I really liked that I thought it was a nice little moment you're kind of going who's this dude who looks a lot like an older Clooney he sounds like him as well amazing goes, yeah, who would have thought how did that happen you know uh, let's just say Clooney you know is is going to be a good looking 80 year old right you know that that's a shock that's I'll be a honest. shock that is yeah. a real shock the dude's got good genes I do want to watch a movie where Matt Damon plays Matthew McConaughey for the whole movie but <laughs> I don't know what the plot would be I don't really mind. <laughs> the the, the change-up remake you've been waiting for. Mm. <laughs> what about bad ones? You know, I love Goodfellas, but the um, the kid who plays young Henry Hill in that never really convinced me that he will turn into Ray the Otter. To be honest, what, with kids, I'm usually willing to give them a pass, even if they look nothing like their their adult character. Like, I don't think, uh, and I've uh, apologies, I've forgotten his name, but the kid who plays the young Spidey in, in the Amazing Spider-Man. 
Uh, and there's a different one, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I don't think either of them looks much like uh, Andrew Garfield. No. But they're both adorable. How, who could possibly criticise them? Have you said that? The, uh, the kid that they got to play young Matt Damon, young Max in Elysium, yeah. was... Very good. Pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, amazing enough to kind of go, d- d- is there something Matt Damon is not telling us? <laughs> Maybe, but, you know, obviously not. Let's just make that absolutely clear. Um, but I can't think of anyone who's really horrendous and taking me out of the movie in a horrible fashion. Hope that answered your question, Jeremy. Um, let's move on to another email question. It's kind of along similar lines, actually. This is from Stephen Jessup in Crouch End. Uh, recently, I went to see The Raid 2. Well done. I was slightly confused as to how Yayan Aruyan uh, was looking so well following how we last saw him in the first film. What other examples are there of the same actor playing two different characters in the same franchise? This is um, Yayan Aruyan who um, played Mad Dog in the first uh, Raid movie and he was summarily dispatched but uh, Gareth Evans loves working with the guy so much he's basically his fight coordinator as well. Uh, he was also in Merentau. Um, but uh, he, he brought him back for the Raids too. It's a different character, Procoso, with um, uh, longer, wilder hair, grey gray hair and a, and a beard. And hope that not many people would notice. Uh, obviously some people have noticed, but um, Gareth has also said that he will cast Yayan in any, every movie he does from now on. Until the end of time. Oh, lovely. So uh, maybe get used to that. I'm sure he'll pop up in the Raid 3 as well at some point. Uh, but yeah, other examples are there. Same actor, two different characters. Same franchise. I can beat that. I've got three characters, Ooh. one actor, three films. Glenmore Shower. <laughs> yes. Best, best known as yes. uh, best known as Ginger, Secret Service agent in Twenty Four, and in the Transformer films, he plays General Morshower. I think he play he plays a military guy in each of the Transformer films. I believe he gets killed in each one. I believe he does. Yes, I believe he does. <laughs> Amazing. Quite Will impressive. he be in the fourth one? If he's not in the fourth one, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. It's it, that. That's it. I think we're done. Well, well do we have much. any more examples? I, I mean, I, that's. I kind of have maybe one, yeah. um, or one or two. I would say for a start, this happens a lot in TV. You get actors coming in for a guest role in something, who the producers then decide that they like and give a much larger role to. Um, uh, a, a really good example of that, and I uh, is is probably Ensign Roe Laren in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. She in, she originally played a completely different role and then got brought in as a major character in the series. Um, secondly, uh, and I think the one who's probably paid, played more than any others, arguably, is uh, Stan Lee. Hmm. Played a different... I mean, I'm assuming it's a different character. Otherwise, he goes through jobs really fast for an old guy. But he has been in, obviously, every Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, and pretty much, and uh, has played a different character in all of them. <laughs> Very, very good question. Although we discussed this in our Spider-Man uh, spoiler podcast, my theory is that the character he plays in Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 is the same guy. That's possible. That is possible. But he's still, you know, different across all of these MCU films. That Amazing Spider-Man 2 spoiler podcast is up this Monday the 5th, so Bank Holiday Monday. Make sure that you spend all of your Bank Holiday Monday listening to that podcast over and over and over. <laughs> it's a one mission. What could be better? Good plug. Also, Doctor Who does this all the time. Peter Capaldi is going to be your new Mr. Doctor. I think that's the technical that's his term. Name. That's his yeah. name. Mr. Yeah. Doctor. Mr. And Doctor. he will be... Yeah, he's, play, he's played a small role before. Karen Gillan played a small role before she became Amy Pond. Happens all the time, Doctor Who. Yeah. All the all the time. Garrett Dillahunt, who's great in so many different things, he's in Deadwood twice. He plays someone's assassin. For some reason, I always presume that no one's seen Deadwood, but he plays a character's assassin, and then it comes back later as another role. So uh, it would be a bit awkward if somebody recognised him. Bruce Campbell, as well, in the Spider-Man movies. The Raimi yeah. Spider-Man movies yeah. plays three different characters uh, as well. They don't die, not like, not like Glenn Morshower. And in fact... Having just remembered that, Bruce Campbell is way cooler than Glenn Morshower, so I think that one wins. Um, I'm also going to throw up in um, 
uh, a horror one because it's me. Uh, there's um, James Cameron and Tom Matthews in Return of the Living Dead, the great Dan O'Bannon, uh, tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek through brain zombie movie, and then Return for the sequel playing two different characters, but essentially the same characters because uh, they were so so good together. I've got one more. A better tomorrow. Uh, John Woo's better tomorrow. Uh, Chow Yun Fat plays Mark. He gets killed at the end. Spoiler, sorry. Uh, Better Tomorrow Part 2, mm-hmm. his long-lost twin brother, Hooray! Ken, comes yes. along. And it's awesome. <laughs> That's really great news. Yeah. That's such good news. I think we should also mention Peter Jackson. And not because, obviously, if we do directorial cameos like Hitchcock, he's been in quite a few of his own movies. But I think we need to talk about how in The Hobbit, Desolation of Smaug, he is playing the same character as the one in Fellowship of the Ring. Not true. No. I asked Philippa Boyens this. So there are two people. She said look, there's a whole tribe who live very who look who look very very similar. Yep. Who all eat carrots. Yep. And they are in a tribe. Yep. And they live in that town. Yep. She said uh, she said the official answer is that there are a bunch of idiots who wander around <laughs> Bree eating carrots. Will we see one? Do you think in the newly subtitled Hobbit Three? Battle of the Five Armies. There could be a, they could change it to the Six Armies. I think it should be <laughs> no, an, just, an, just an, be an army, army of, of people yeah. throwing carrots, wielding <laughs> carrots, just wow. drunkenly wandering around. That's yeah. even more terrifying than UKIP. Oh, oh, got political, got political. Wow. Sorry about that. Wow. Sorry. Whoa, satire. Incisive. Satire. You drop, you drop your crowbar, Chris. Hello, hello. <laughs> satire. I've got one more thing to say. Please say it. It is. I have got a really good example. Of this is a non-human. It is the shark. From the secret life of <laughs> yes, I yes, love this. the shark from the secret life of Walter Mitty is the same shark from Anchorman Two, the play Dobie, and I know this because I interviewed the man who owns this shark, and that will be going up <laughs> on Empire Online quite soon. It's amazing. It is amazing, but we're not saying it's the same shark in both movies, are we? Are we saying the Dobie is the the they shark? share universes, and also with Austin Powers because that same shark is the shark with the freaking laser beam on his head from Austin Powers. Oh, well done. Mind blown. My mind is blown. And in this interview, there is a great anecdote about David Fincher, who apparently tried to rent this shark to put it in the swimming pool and then push his agent into it. (laughs) (laughs) It Didn't quite happen, but it's an amazing story. Uh, Okay, so Nick wins. Nick wins? Dobie wins. Dobie wins. Dobie's great, but I did say Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell wins everything. Bruce Campbell, Helen, do you win? I win. Helen wins. Well done. Hey, this brings us neatly on to the next question. It does in a way, doesn't it? Again, I will just say... This is not a definitive list. This is us literally coming up with this stuff off the top of our heads. So please, uh, if you have any uh, things that we missed out, do send them in to us uh, via Twitter. We're Empire Magazine and use the hashtag Empire Podcast. And who knows, maybe we'll read out our omissions next week. Uh, right, this is a question from Twitter. This is from at Land Uncharted, who posits a terrifying yet all too real scenario to wit a fight breaks out in the pod booth. Oh no! <gasps> who would win? And what movie-themed weapons would you use? <laughs> Helen, you and I are Northern Irish. We're, we are, We're yeah. well-versed in... We'd be trying to kneecap each other yeah. uh, frantically. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd check under the uh, the pod table <laughs> if I were you. What's Ali got? Um, Ali's got his hair. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got this martial art, which you may not have heard of, but it's called uh, Harry Kiri, and I'm absolutely amazing at it. Wow. So, so how would you come at us? Um, probably kneeling uh, with a massive sword. That's one of my favourite ones. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. It sounds low energy. It does sound You just low. sort of sit there. In a way. Yeah. In a way. You sit there and wait for people to but fling I, themselves I on I think you. the more interesting side of this question is what movie themed weapons would you use? Right. And I would go for Beverly Hill Cop 3's Annihilator 2000, which is the absolutely gargantuan mega gun, which features a CD player, mm. a mobile telephone, a uh, microwave, mm. uh, and a flamethrower. 
So I, I toast all of you fuckers. Wow, what if, what if Dan one. Billy Rosewoods you puts the banana in the barrel of the gun? Shit. Yep. Hadn't thought of that. Boom. That yep. is quite likely now I think about it. Dan wins. I think this pod booth is famed for being absolutely gargantuan. It's like two acres of untouched oiled seed rape and puppies frolicking. It's tiny. So I'd use cap shield and just sling it about the room and you'd all be gone. I don't think you, I honestly I don't think that would work for you. This room is very, very tiny. So, as, as I speak to you right now, I'm nuzzled in your arm. It's basically a phone booth, isn't it? It's basically a phone booth. And uh, you wouldn't get enough leverage. You wouldn't be able to be, you know, move your arm back. And also, these walls are quite absorbent. I don't think the, the shield would spin off the walls in the way that you quite want. Uh, I would go, I'd go old-fashioned on this one. I would go lightsaber. Always, uh, yeah. All you fools would be, would be cooked and smoked. Um, uh, also, I'd put one of you in a nice water bath for an hour. Uh, maybe some, you know, fricasseed onions. Maybe some. Uh, I don't. Know. Have but, you yes. been watching MasterChef again? I may have been watching MasterChef again. Okay. I'm very, very sorry. Uh, I would love to see fricassee some onions. I don't know what that means. Mm. I just, I just hear words and I say them back. Um, lightsaber. Okay. The, uh, the thing from Kroll, what's that? The grave. The grave. The glaive, the glaive. Yeah. yeah, I do that as well. Uh, I would, I would have the uh, the the CD death thing from uh, Dark Angel the Dolph Lundgren movie or the, 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 the balls of death from Phantasm which fly through the air and just take you guys out and you'd be totally dead uh, none of us could use Mjolnir obviously because uh, none of us I are worthy know. I could be worthy I, I'd probably use one of Prometheus's snake things if you glue that as a weapon oh that's pretty good yeah ew those were nasty so we're saying okay, we send the doors are locked we can't get out trick right. to wrangle okay. I'm, I'm thinking uh, District 9's uh, pig firing um, assault mm. weapon <laughs> I haven't got any actual pigs but I've got some Percy pigs well, so they, they could do some damage. Drained by a Percy pig. <laughs> I'd quite like the Zorg ZF1 from The Fifth Element, uh, which of course had a Ooh, you know flamethrower, net, uh, yeah. pulse blast. It, it was it was a pretty thoroughly uh, equipped gun. That would be pretty good. And you know, I'm not sure your lightsaber would be any match for a good blaster by my side. So oh. that'd be handy too. I want to hit Star you Trek. first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, I'd also mention uh, Hellboy's Good Samaritan, uh, even though it probably would deafen us in yeah. an instant all painless cricket. cricket from Men in Black cricket from Men in Black that's a good one all painless from um, uh, Predator takes yeah. a little bit of time to get wound up but once it gets going you guys are toast yeah you wouldn't I be mean, able to lift splattered. it splattered of course I'd be able to lift it it has a strap and you know actually it's quite <laughs> it has a strap <laughs> it is quite heavy oh uh, well this tank's pretty heavy and well it has a strap uh, yeah, um, but ultimately, and I don't want to keep going back to the Evil Dead too well, but there's really nothing that beats a, a chainsaw welded to the uh, to the the bloody stump of your right hand, and a, and a sawn-off shotgun that you can <laughs> into the into the back of your uh, your rather tasteful jumper. So that's why I go full ash. What's the movie where somebody kill assassinate somebody using headphones? They put. A s- some kind of horrible sound into the headphones. They're like in the UN or something. Uh, well, there's um, uh, yeah, and um, uh, live and let die. Yes, yes, I do that. You would do that. You've all oh. got headphones on. Oh, bang! Shit! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who? Yeah, you know, have we have we decided to win? Right, right now, right in now. here, right now in here. Uh, well, like I say, I'd be dead. Ali takes himself out of the equation. Uh, Helen, you know, you got, is there a lot of rage in you? There's a lot of rage. There's a lot of rage I in think, me. Yeah. I think yeah. Helen wins. She's got a steely glint in her eye. <laughs> that, that spells trouble. Yeah, I think Helen wins. Uh, so you're hosting next week's podcast. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All over, on my own. <laughs> over, over our corpses. In the charred, <laughs> in the charred blackened studio that remains. You can finally do your Terry Pratchett podcast. <laughs> Hooray! No one to stop you. <laughs> do you know what? We've actually had a lot of requests for a Discworld podcast since we joked about that. So we, we will do our best, that's, people, that's, at some point. Mainly from Terry Pratchett. <laughs> <laughs> How many is a lot? Three? A lot. A lot. Five? I've had some. Ali's yeah, had Ali's some. Had some. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's At do least it. six. Anyway, let's move on. Thanks for your questions. 
As ever, you can send them into us. We're at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast, or chances are we won't see it. Uh, Facebook us, Empire Magazine, or you can email us, as many of you are now doing. Thank you so much for that podcast at empireonline.com. Uh, keep them coming. Uh, time now for our first interview next week. The 9th of May, next Friday, sees the release of Lenny Abrahamson's excellent musical comedy, Frank, in which Donald Gleeson plays a wannabe musician who gets mixed up with a terrifying avant-garde band called, and this is a rough approximation, the Sarumphipurps. Uh, and their charismatic lead singer, Frank, that's much easier to say, played by Michael Fassbender, in a papier-mâché mask, strangely redolent of the late comedian Frank Sidebottom. Gleason, of course, has been terrific in all manner of things for a while now, from about time to a horrifying cameo in his father's Calvary, which may or may not have caught the eye of J.J. Abrams, and Helen and I went along to speak to him just the other day. Enjoy. Uh, we're delighted. We're delighted. Oh, I'll do it again. Oh no! Uh, it's going to be in. It's a bad start. Can you edit it's a bad these? start. No, it's going live to the internet right oh, really? now. <laughs> <laughs> we're delighted to be joined in our portable pod booth uh, by Donald Gleeson. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, great. Great. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, love the film. Oh, good. Uh, good. Are you now attracted after this and dread solely to movies with one-syllable titles? In which the main character doesn't take their their head or hat off. Yeah, throughout the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. I believe I believe uh, Michael said the same thing, you know, uh, as they did in Dread, which is if he takes the head off, I'm not doing the movie. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a similar sort of a conversation. No, it's um, yeah, that's, yeah. They're very similar, but uh, in some <laughs> yeah, ways, so many ways, ways. In, incredibly different in most other ways. I would imagine. I hope. Otherwise, we've made not the film we set out yeah. to. But if that is the case for you, if that's your criteria now for movies, that, that limits you somewhat, doesn't it? Mm. So I imagine you... What else have we got left? That's pretty much it. That's it. That's it, yeah. really. Well, it was good while it lasted. <laughs> Batman, I, did, I guess. Y- yeah. You could, yeah, you could do Batman. Yeah, but everybody knows. I mean, like, if you can't... It's a very distinctive face, isn't it? He, he you'd, know, you'd know. He takes his mask off all the blooming time anyway. He does, really? yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's work. right, yeah. Um, did you try on the mask Bane yourself? It. Yeah, my head is too big uh, really? for that head. I tried, but it goes on, but it involves kind of really cutting my nose quite harshly. Um, so we had a scene, we had a scene in the movie where he tries it on and uh, we had to cut it because it was too long because <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to kind of wedge it on to my massive cranium. Um, I, f- yeah. I feel your pain. I have the same problem with hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hats all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They say it can't be that big. It doesn't look that big. And then, it's, um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's absolutely massive. There wow. You go. So yeah. it was especially built for Michael or, yeah 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 and he hasn't got a small head he's got a normal sized head it just so happens that so your head's bigger than the average uh, apparently so yeah how long are we going to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> the full 15 minutes yeah okay good okay fine yeah yeah therapy so so tell us about John because he has a he has a, an interesting approach to for example songwriting mm. technique it's um, yeah it, it's really say Un, what you it's see it's uncomplicated yeah, it is, yeah 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 what was the name of that say what you see guy if you see um, it say it Ray, uh, Ray, Roy, Roy, Roy Walker. Roy Walker, Roy Walker. Roy yes. He'd yeah, do yeah. well on, on the yes, show. Yes, he would. Yeah, he'd do really well. Um, yes, he, he... The way I think of John is that he is huge on talent and uh, incredibly limited uh, on, on talent. You know, like he's not, he's not... He's got ambition all over the place, but the talent is just not there to kind of back it up. Um, so, yeah, I actually... Those songs... I, I get songwriting credits on those opening songs uh, in the movie which I was very happy about I went around to Steve Rennick wrote all the music which is amazing I think yeah. and um, I went around to his place and uh, he would play piano while I looked out the window and uh, sang about what I saw <laughs> and then we'd send like Lenny these half hour uh, musical things of me saying you know lady in the red dress you know all this sort of stuff and uh, Lenny would pick 
the shittest ones. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's in the movie. Yeah. Wow. So there could be an extended cut with actual good bits then? No. No, because I'm, <laughs> because I'm so limited myself. They basically said, try as hard as you can. And, wow. uh, and and that was the that was the extent of my talent is in is in the movie. Yeah. So right. have you ever tried to write a song? I mean, I know Michael was in a, a sort of uh, rubbish Metallica covers band apparently yes. when he was like seventeen, eighteen. What about yourself? Uh, yes, I, I write. Uh, I, I do. Uh, yeah, I, every year I write a song with my friends. We've got a, a country guy called Duke Governs and the band are called the Legislators. And every year we write a bad country song together. Wow. Yeah, that's that's what we do. So yes, I have I have written bad songs before. Uh, deliberately, um, I think the, I think Duke Governs is a talented guy. I think right. that yeah, I think he's got some strong points. Uh-huh. But um, I think most people would disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not uh, it's not particularly good. No, no, no. So you're sticking with the day job for an eye? Yeah, yeah. For the mo- well, apparently not, because there are no more fucking mask movies being made. So uh, yeah, yeah. So I think you know songwriting is the only way to go. It's my it's my solid fallback plan. He's he's also I mean John as well. It, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character says in the movie that you know he he really needs a punch in the face. And I have to say there were there were times that I agreed with her. I thought she was mean. Thought she was very mean. I did agree with her a wee bit at times. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to have uh, a protagonist uh, who is the villain. It's it's not the usual way of doing things. I mean, but really, he is the villain of the piece. Just because he's treated badly doesn't change the fact that he is an absolute asshole for like basically the whole movie. My brother Brian is a fantastic actor, you know, and I respect his judgment highly. And he said, so he came to see it the other day and it was his second time seeing it. And he said, wow, this time around, I really understood what an absolute bastard he is, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that was part of forming him was that you would, he would be interesting enough in his lack of talent, but drive and ambition and kind of cutthroatedness, you yeah. know, that he has, that that will be what makes him interesting enough that he doesn't have to be nice, you know. In the same way that Daniel Plainview, you know, or no, is it Daniel? No, not yeah, is it Daniel Plainview? Yeah, yeah, Daniel Plainview is 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 you know evil, but yeah. he's interesting enough to keep watching. I, I compare myself to Daniel Day Lewis often, by the way. That'll be <laughs> that'll, that'll, that's something that'll crop up over the course of the interview. Let's go back to the uh, the size of your head thing mm. again, isn't it? <laughs> that's worked really well for you. I'm a bit bitter I didn't make that joke. Yes, yeah, yeah, big headed. There we go. So, can we expect a, an album from you in the in the future? Uh, an album from me or from the band in the film? Well, both. Uh, I think I think I, I would imagine that they'll release. I, there must be a soundtrack for this yeah. kind of film. I think that would be silly not to. And Steve, we recorded like loads of stuff that isn't in the film too. That was really good and just mm. wasn't for, you know, and really interesting stuff as well. So I think they will. I'm sure they will release a soundtrack for that. And then Duke Governors and the Legislators. We just need to get the money together to tie down the studio time. You know, Kickstarter. Yeah. Then we'll be in their Kickstarter. Yeah, this is where I announce it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We need five grand. <laughs> Help if you can. You'll have it by next Wednesday. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> meet us under the bridge at midnight. <laughs> On Mark Bill's. disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? That's all I have to do. Really? So I do No, I don't think. I mean, okay. I don't know what you've been doing, but I hope you got paid well. Oh my God, I need so much mouthwash. <laughs> anyway, anyway <laughs> that bit, that you're talking, will, of course, that about bit sperm. will be cut. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Good, yes, good, good, I'm talking about tramp sperm. Jesus Christ, that is. I think I'm oh, It's the name of a band. That's, no, it's a name. You're, you're going to say it's a nickname. It's a, yeah. no, it's really. Really? Nice. Let's start that now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather... Are you on Twitter? No. Really, this is going to be cut. And I think I think it will be. No, probably and, won't. And actually. Oh, well, rightly so. Oh, yeah. Rightly okay. so. No, well, let's it's, see. It's being totally kept. <laughs> totally oh kept. Well, no, I was just going to ask a very quick question, which yes. is, can you pronounce the band name? 
yeah. in the film because even after hearing it a couple of times during the course of the film I still yeah, couldn't quite the spare room proof rooms yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know what your Just problem is with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like Dr. Hefer or Hefer. Yeah. We did ha- yeah, we did have to have those conversations on set about it. Was there a way? And originally, every time you saw the band's name spelled in the film, it would be spelled differently. Like they would just kind of, it would always start with an S. Right. And there would always be a P and an R- N and an O and an F in there somewhere. But they were always in different, you know, a different order. But then mm. I think Lenny decided, no, we need to keep to one spelling. But just no one pronounces it the same way. Okay. So I call it the Strisham Proofers. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And for the most part, the film was shot in Ireland as well. Uh, yeah, we, I think it was seven week shoot. The first two weeks were in Albuquerque. Okay. Uh, and then five weeks in, in like, down in Lockdown, which is an amazing, amazing place. Mm. Uh, and great fun was had by all. But it was very, you know, it was a very muddy and wet and all those things that you expected to be. It didn't look comfortable. No, it, and it, it wasn't all that comfortable, but there was always instruments lying around and there was always that hoop game. Okay, yeah. You know oh, the yeah, hoop yeah. game? Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. I know that the, the gesture I'm making right now doesn't translate to audio. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you do appear to be throwing a hoop. I'm throwing a yeah. hoop at a, at a little board with like where nine, I think, is the highest score. I can say nine it. Nine little hooks. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know the name of it. Should I keep going? It's a golf. I've got it. It's golf. It's, 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 like it's golf. Yeah, it's yeah, golf that's the cricket. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one. It's one of those um, ones. Yeah, so we played all that, and it was it was really really good fun. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, and but you didn't uh, obviously you know your accent in this isn't Irish. Michael's accent in this isn't Irish. Mm. Did you stay in accent in between takes, or was it difficult? Because Irish when I when I tend to go home, I, my accent tends to get a lot thicker. Mm. Helen's the same. What about yourself? Or was there a pressure to? get more Irish or was that hard to fight off yeah I, I kept the accent up on this one yeah. um, again myself and Daniel Day-Lewis have a lot in common of course, of course. I, again you know and I don't <laughs> want to push that too hard but all I'm saying it's a natural is comparison. that we're basic yes exactly it's only a matter of time uh, before we work together and I beat him to the Oscar um, uh, <laughs> was yeah so I kind of stayed in it because it is tough especially with Irish voices around you are going to start reverting really quickly Michael is talented enough that he can slip in and out of it but I you know I, I find it too difficult to do that but uh, yeah it, and it was it was nice making the movie at home but strangely making a movie at home that isn't about home in any way but again I quite enjoyed that mm. sometime yeah I wanted to ask you as well, I mean, the, the last time I saw you before this was Calvary, mm-hmm. uh, your little role there. So how on earth did they get hold of you for that? Uh, was yeah. there some connection? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a strange one. Funnily enough, yeah, I'd, I'd read the script because Dad had it lying around. Um, my father is Brendan Gleeson. And um, I say that all the time, trying to get into seats in restaurants. And <laughs> um, um, yeah, so, you know, I'd read the script and just thought it was amazing and had thought to myself really, you know, Freddie Joyce, that character in that one scene, that would be an amazing part to play. I've never played anything like that. I've never had to push myself to think about the sort of things that he thinks about and, and just thought that quietly and then and then got an offer for it, bizarrely, from, from John. And I really didn't think that he would think of me for it. Uh, and he did, and it just made me so happy that he was able to well, no, imagine me playing a child r- r- cannibal rapist paedophile fellow. Um, serial. Sure. He's done yeah. it a few times. Yeah, it was. And so it's not. A, in some ways, it's a compliment he thought of me for it, and in some ways, it's totally not. But it was a huge. I don't know. It was kind of an honor to, to do it and to step up and to act with my father in a scene which is absolutely, mm. mad. I mean, yeah. you know, playing the most abhorrent person in the world and trying to understand them is um, an interesting challenge. Definitely. Was that yeah. like a um, presumably the first time you've acted? I guess with your dad in, in terms of growing up. Did you? Do stuff around the house. Is that how he inspired you in a way to act? I mean, is there 
little exercises that you do together or was that the first time you had to really act like, like acting yoga like acting yeah yoga, yeah precisely. does he take you in the park for a bit of shakespeare that, that sort of thing no i mean my dad became full-time when he was 34 he was a secondary school teacher up until then my memories of my dad when I was young is, is more just uh, of my dad, like not of my dad as actor or anything like that. It's just your, he's your father who you love and all the rest of it. Um, so, but then of course it seeps in, like it, there's a love for cinema in the house. My mom likes good movies. My dad likes good movies. My grandparents were all kind of movie fans and all that sort of thing. So it was certainly around. And then when it comes in handy is I had my first audition for like a Martin McDonough play and it was the funniest thing I'd ever read. And I got to, blitzed it with, 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 with my dad for like a week you know and so I, I would never have gotten that if I hadn't worked it through with, with my wow. father first like his advice was incredible yeah and um, so yeah and I'll call him all the time to talk about stuff you know so yeah I'm a lucky boy to have that and my brother Brian like is phenomenal as well and he's another person I would talk to often and um, just lucky to have that around yeah so what are you working on at the moment? Is it is it Brooklyn that's filming Nyish? Yeah, I just finished fin- just finished Brooklyn, um, uh, working with Sir Ronan and John Crowley, who did Boy A, which is like reason enough to work with <laughs> anybody. He's just incredible. Um, so yeah, and Sir is you know, Sir is brilliant. So it was three weeks, and I was only in every kind of second day. I don't have a, like a major role in the film, time wise or whatever. But yeah, like just working with good people is like there's no better way to get up in the morning you know going into work knowing there's good people waiting for you at the other end of the car ride it's nice how do you guys feel about this <laughs> i don't know quiet, it's, a, it's, it's, quiet a, it's, a, it's a strange feeling it's a strange i've never had it honestly just, yeah we're just who's gonna make that joke first <laughs> neither of you okay that's will, nice yeah, i'll yeah, always yeah, go for it, yeah. there's love in the room I'll I'll always nice. go the if i can if i can uh but also ex machina is on on the oh, uh, man, this week yeah. as well what can you tell us about that um i mean I can tell you that I'm just really excited about it. Um, as a script, it was like, I've been reading scripts recently and the, I've read so many that I just can't get excited about. Mm. That, I mean, that does sound big-headed, right? But it's, it's, it's just a, you have a guttural reaction whether you connect with something or not. And last year, I just had a phenomenal year of reading scripts that made me go, holy God, I would do anything in this movie. Calvary and Frank... Uh, Unbroken and, and and Ex Machina is like way up there. It's so, so good. Alex is one of my favourite writers. I own his screenplays at home wow. because I just think he's extraordinary. And this one I, may be his best screenplay. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I but I read it and I just couldn't stop. And it's um it's really a three-hander with two other, like Oscar Isaac and Alicia Vikander, who are just superb. Mm. And big chunky scenes it's like it's like a thriller uh exciting sci-fi madness psychological craziness and just intensity going on it's like exactly my kind of movie and um so i hope it turns out as well as the script because if we can make it as good as the script we'll be in very very good shape so presumably you're then you're going to get the uh i think uh there's a Dread screenplay, illustrated screenplay coming out soon. Oh, is there? Uh, yeah, uh, with uh, Jock, the great yes, artist Jock. Yes, he yeah, did all yeah. the designs for the stuff, so that'll be resplendent on your wall. Very, yeah, very soon, exactly. I mean, I'm looking that I already have the script because I was oh, in the film yeah. briefly. Uh, but uh, yeah, but no, that sounds very cool. Yeah, sounds very cool. Yeah, I will be getting that. That will be nice. Yeah. And on that note, Donald Gleason, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Donald Gleason, there. Now you may have noticed that we didn't talk to him about Star Wars. Star Wars didn't get come up wasn't mentioned and that's because we did the interview before 
Tuesday's big casting news. Chris the announcement, is- I know, the announcement that he was one of seven new additions to the cast of Star Wars Episode Seven, along with, uh, let's see if we can get this right, Adam Driver, Max von Sydow, Daisy Ridley, uh, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, and Andy Serkis, of course, uh, joining. Familiar old faces, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, finally confirmed. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, well, of course, and Kenny Baker as R2-D2. So, episode seven is finally beginning. What did we make of the casting news, the announcement, the timing of the casting, and and so on and so forth? Well, I mean, it came out on Tuesday uh, late afternoon, obviously. It it followed a rumour that morning about Oscar Isaac being cast. Um, I, I do wonder if that somehow prompted it like they, they were beginning to think maybe there were enough leaks that they needed to make some sort of announcement but, but to be honest I think this was probably planned anyway we knew that there was a reading a, a read of the script happening in London this week anyway and I think that was a good time to unveil these new cast members so yeah that's that I think is, is the timing of it they are of, obviously they've started second unit shooting it appears and are starting shooting any day now if not today so it does make sense that we'd finally get something uh, confirmed and that all those rumours would be finally put to rest this is not necessarily the full casting obviously there are people still to be announced um, the Hollywood Reporter said on Wednesday that there was at least one more major female role to be announced which is devoutly to be hoped all good 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 actors uh, involved. I mean, we don't know Daisy Ridley very well. I haven't seen many of her TV shows. I've seen her, I think, a little bit in Miss uh, Mr. Selfridge. She's in Toast of London as well. She's in Toast of London as well. She's in Silent Witness. You know, so she's been doing good work and good good shows, but she's probably the least well known of the lot. Obviously, John Boyega. We loved him in Attack the Block. Mm. He was absolutely excellent in that. Oscar Isaac. If you haven't seen Inside Lewin Davis, get it right now. It's fantastic. And Gleason, you just heard, is a very very funny and charming man, but also very good. Um, mm. So props to him. I don't think we need to introduce Andy Serkis or Max von Sydow to anybody listening to this podcast, but Adam Driver, interesting. Maybe. Adam Driver, yeah, well he's he's obviously been doing great work in Girls. I think anybody who's been watching beyond season one of Girls has apparently fallen madly in love with him, literally. I, I know, you know, pretty straight men who are, who are basically willing to turn for him at this point. They uh, So he's he's been building up his popularity in a major way over the last couple of years. He obviously also had little supporting roles, but very good ones, also in Inside Lewin Davis. Um, he was also in Lincoln. Space. Outer. Outer. Space. Yes, I wonder now if that was a clue, that line that he sang in that song. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, all, all good people. I could have per- personally wished for a few more women in there, obviously, but... Uh, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And the report is that John Boyega and Daisy Ridley are actually the leads of the film, which is which is good and, and a very positive step for the Star Wars franchise. Very interesting indeed. It seems like a, a safe bet, or at least a good bet, that uh, Mr. Driver will be being a bad-o. Uh, mm. I would have thought he'd be, he'd be misused if he weren't. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Gleason, likewise, w- would maybe make a good... This is all just conjecture. Oscar Isaac no, also no has, one has a clue. Has played some baddos. Do you think he's sucker a- punch? Yeah, um, he's pretty bad in that. Drive. Robin Hood. He's not. He's not exactly a, a good guy in that. So that's an interest. A lot of kind of possible ways it could go. Hmm. People have been pointing out he looks like a young George Lucas. I think George Lucas would have been very very yeah, he happy does. if he looked. <laughs> he does uh, as handsome as Oscar Isaac. Really, it, George Lucas think? was a handsome guy. I'm not saying I'm not saying he wasn't. I just think yeah. that Oscar is really quite scrumpy. Yeah, he's 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 yeah. handsomer. I would say. Would you like to be inside Lewin Davis? Oh, stop. Um, <laughs> well, I've seen some speculation, and that's bear in mind as as Ali says, this is all just nonsense and speculation. <laughs> Nobody knows anything. Hopefully, J.J. Abrams and the actual cast know something. They you know yeah, they haven't crossed. turned up for the first day going. I don't know what I'm doing. Who am I playing? Well, we'll figure it out in post. 
But uh, I saw some people saying that uh, Donald Gleeson could looks a bit like a young Mark Hamill. Could be Luke Skywalker's offspring. Mm. I can see that. I can absolutely see that. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm not sure he's necessarily a bad guy at all. Yeah. I think uh, he, he could very well be a... a Why does the Irish person have to be the bad guy? Yeah, come on. Oh, he's Something. Irish. I don't see race. <laughs> or nationality. Or nationality. <laughs> or hair colour. Or any, any less stuff. Yes, it's a good day. Sorry, it is a good day for gingers. I mean, this is the first uh, major Star Wars role for a ginger. Yes. So, well, uh, Chewbacca. He's <laughs> more of a brunette, really. He is, isn't he? yeah. Chestnutty. He's chestnutty. Yeah, he's chestnutty. I love that. I think my first thought when I saw this picture was were they sitting there doing the space battles, like doing the sound effects and stuff? That would have been amazing. <laughs> that would be They'd awesome. Literally be just going. This blew your mind, didn't it, the other day? Because you were, you were going. Was it you on Twitter? You were going, why is Peter Mayhew at a read-through? Because it was a read-through. And mm-hmm. then I revealed to you that uh, all Chewbacca's lines are actually in the script in English. And not only that, then someone else came in and said, well, hang on. Well, it's not just that, but on set, yep. they actually say his lines in English. Someone so sent me a YouTube so video react. Yeah. Of, uh, of them shooting something from A New Hope with Peter Mayhew actually saying the lines in Chewbacca's lines in English. And it blew my mind. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. What voice does he use? Just, yeah, I don't know. Just, what, what? I'm not getting in there. It smells horrible. I don't care what you smell, you big hairy ape. I just think that would be distracting uh, to have him, if I was an actor acting in a scene with him, to have Chewbacca talking in an English English voice. I don't know. But, yeah. No, good, good on him. Go, Chewie. So, Steven Spielberg, he's now announced his new project, which is a live action adaptation of Roald Dahl's The BFG. Hooray! Hooray! Is this definitely announced as his new project? Is this because he, he, he was attached to a few things last week? He announced that Cold War thing with Tom Hanks. He was circling that other thing about this does some seem bloke. to be, but yeah. this is actually yep. the next one. Yeah, snorts cumbers all round. Way uh, awesome for me. It is the most British thing I could possibly imagine. It involves well, I, I, the Queen saves the day at the end, and I just, I just kind of love it that Spielberg is taking. This of all things, obviously there was the David Jason, uh, like I think it was in 1989, uh, Cosgrove Hall animation, which is lovely and sweet, and it's what many people remember when they think of the book. So I wonder what he's going to do with this. I hope he doesn't do too much. I think the story is sweet and interesting enough to see Spielberg do the dream catching would be yeah. especially visually interesting. I love the BFG. For the sake of people who may not have read the BFG, I will tell you, or know anything about it, oh, or, or saw any of the Cosgrove Hall stuff. Uh, what is a BFG? Sophie is uh, an orphan. She's in an orphan's home. Let's call it an orphanage. And she pops her head out one night of her window and she sees down the street this huge lumbering giant uh, who is blowing dreams into people's minds. He's essentially Sandman. Through a long, long trumpet through mm. the window. He doesn't go into the room. That would be inappropriate. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No. So that happens. They become, I'm paraphrasing obviously, they become friends he takes her into his his kind of giant world. He, it turns out he is the one very good giant in a world of terrible giants who eat children, basically. No! I know, terrible. And he survives <clears throat> on a diet of snozcumbers, who, which are these big cucumber-like things which taste disgusting. Uh, but he has to eat them because that's the only thing he can eat. Uh, which isn't children and he obviously doesn't want to eat children has he tried fricasseed onions he, I don't think he has and again I'm sorry if, if people are getting upset I'm not doing Dahl's book justice he he catches these dreams and then gives them to the children through this trumpet and he has this big net uh, that he uses to catch the dreams and they're kind of sparkly oh because you know, obviously I've, I've read the BFG of course, of course. many many oh, times Christ. I know it back to front but I'm just saying for, the, for many of our listeners who may not have 
that's yeah. a very good uh, Prezi. Thank you for that. And, and the Queen obviously comes into it in that Sophie tries to persuade her to engage the armed forces to take down the bad giants who are preying on the nations and indeed every nation's children. So that's one big piece of news. The other big piece of news is that Sam Mendes, who, of course, directed Skyfall, has talked about Skyfall and also why he decided to return for Bond 24. It turns out that Bond 24 and Bond 25, the last two films in Daniel Craig's purview, I believe, are not a two-part story as previously uh, announced. They're not going to be twinned in that way. John Logan is still writing the script, but he has announced on the Charlie... On the Charlie Rose show, he essentially, uh, the American interviewer, asked him about Skyfall. And he said, look, I, I wanted to come back because I realised that I'd started all these things. He'd started, spoilers everybody, a new M, uh, a new Q, a new Money Penny, And he realised there was more to say. He felt that though this Bond 24 won't be a direct, you know, sequel, if that makes any sense, to Skyfall. It won't continue the same story. There won't be a narrative connection. It will be developing the characters that you've now met so that's very interesting and i'm very excited about that i was a little anxious about these two movies these two next movies being connected uh, as twins as i'm calling them so that's great and it's lovely to hear one of the reasons why he wanted to come back was because he was watching a screening with other people of you know general audience punters and when the db5 was suddenly revealed this massive roar this nostalgic orgy he called it just made him think wow i've really I'm, I'm affecting people. Of course, the billion dollars that it made worldwide mm. probably persuaded it, him that it was popular, obviously. Yeah, probably didn't hurt. No, of course. Uh, but it's also great that Eon decided that they were willing to not go somewhere else with this and come back to him so that he could do other projects that allowed him to do it. Because, you know, by the time it comes out, it'll be quite a few years since Skyfall. Um, so here's to Eon actually doing that rather than finding a director for hire. I've just got a couple of quick ones. First of all, they're planning to make a film of Dad's Army. Who, uh, who are they? Who indeed? <laughs> How do well, we stop them? I will <laughs> say that they probably don't like it up them. Who do you think you're kidding, Miss O'Hara? Aren't there two people <laughs> kind of attached to it yes, already? Yes, there are. Um, so basically we already have... The story is that uh, Toby Jones is lined up to play Captain Mannering. Bill Nye would be uh, lined up to play Sergeant Wilson, which, which does seem like good casting. Don't panic! Don't panic. We've actually made a few more casting suggestions on the site, but this all comes from St. Trinian's director Oliver Parker and Johnny English Reborn writer Hamish McCall. I mean, yes, we don't love those films, but we, you know. Okay. I like Toby Jones. I like Bill uh, Nye. We all love yeah. Bill Nye. Okay, then. This is a great idea. <laughs> I'm fully on board with this. Can we get a lower low as well? I would actually love to see a lower low. I'd rather I'd be more into a, really, a lower low reboot. Have we really reached a, a lower low point? I think we have, I think, we have. <laughs> I think we have. Yeah, I think we just did. Uh, I know. Who would play Rene? The planes will be a pissing oh. overhead. Oh, <laughs> who would play that guy? Well, Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, he'd be a. Gr- oh, he'd be so good. It's quite he, similar he to Hugo. Uh, the Roland well, Hugo. But a lower low. Yep. It's interesting because inspired. most of the original cast are still alive. So you could probably just like get them in for cameos. With Dad's Army, only in Lavender, who played Piper Pike, is still alive. Uh, this is this is a frankly awesome oh, idea, <laughs> and I I can't. I am gonna I am gonna be the one who okay. says that this is not a bad idea. Okay, I'm gonna be that one. I'm Fair gonna enough. be that guy. Okay. I think uh, it's not exactly the most hallowed ground to be retraining I don't think you know this isn't like remaking Jaws you've seen Dad's Army right and Dad's Army's got an okay it's got a good concept so bring it back I I think also there's enough distance between the original and this that no one's ever going to think that this was anything other than an idea that they just you know 
it's a punt it's an idea it's a it's a silly thing it might work it might not whatever it will not destroy the original yeah, um, it's not shows. like Postman Pat I mean this <laughs> is not like really denigrate well that is just that should not you know that is, that's disrespectful yep. to Pat <laughs> and his black and white cat so but I, I'm I, I'm gonna say you know let's let's just see what happens there's one thing I would like to say about this uh, if they brought back Dad's Army on the big screen Aloha Low on the big screen Heidi High whatever it is <laughs> can we just do at the end of, I, I really want to say this at the end of the movie you have been watching yes. with all the, okay. the the actors coming yes. back you know they could do big, that big films don't do that enough these days I mean the last one the last really big film I can remember doing that where then you have the cast kind of going ha 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 and then freeze framing was Predator Predator does it. I'd love to see that at the end of the raid too. Yeah. Where all the bodies just kind of get up and go, hey, hey, do finger guns at the camera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone with a baseball bat through his head gets up and goes, yay. That would be awesome. So uh, for that alone, it's a good idea. Okay. I have two more quick stories. First of all, we had an exclusive image earlier in the week from Beth starring Michael Fassbender, directed by Justin Kurzel, the director of Snowtown previously. Now the word has come out this week that uh, Kurzel is in talks to direct the adaptation of Assassin's Creed, which of course Fassbender is attached to star in and mm-hmm. also produce. Now, first of all, this says to me mm-hmm. that they're doing well with Macbeth. That's a good sign for Macbeth, I mm. would say. Mm. Um, second of all, that's kind of interesting, right? That's uh, that's a fairly prestigious director for a video game adaptation, I yeah. would say. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I can absolutely see the evolution from Snowtown to Macbeth. Yeah. I can absolutely see that. You're a serious-minded director, you make one of the most bleak and horrifying films of the last 10 years... And you move on to Macbeth, which you know is one of Shakespeare's lighter comedies. <laughs> From there to Assassin's Creed, this guy to me hasn't shown any interest in doing in entering the big budget arena necessarily. But this is yeah, this could be interesting. This is a film I've kind of I had kind of written off. Mm. Um, Fastbender, notwithstanding, uh, he's not always a guarantee of quality as we've seen. But um, you know, this is a very interesting directorial choice. So fingers crossed for that one. I would like it to be subtitled Macbeth. No, Assassin's Creed is the story, in case you didn't know, of uh, essentially a time-travelling modern person in the contemporary times who has this... <sighs> it's too complicated to really explain with words, but he can go back into his history, into the DNA of his family, and go back and become, as it turns out, a series of assassins in different times. Presumably this would be the Renaissance time, sure, uh, yeah. the kind of Da Vinci era, which is uh, the most popular era of the Assassin's Creed franchise so there you go now you know that in case you didn't I've always wondered about this because I did know that premise at least Um, it seems uh, scrappy and messy to me is there a way to get rid of that framing device and just have it in the Renaissance I was wondering that possibly but the joy of doing it that way sorry to interrupt you Nick is that as part of the game the reason why you can replay missions if you don't do them correctly is that you relive the memories oh, okay, okay. so you're trying to create this 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 through line of discovering the past the memory of your dna it's all rubbish but anyway <laughs> it's a clever idea if you let that go so i feel like that has great cinematic potential to see somebody try and defeat something or try and do something and so then like reboots. source code i all think it's more code. like all you need is kill sorry edge of tomorrow edge of tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. which is why in my head I had it in my head. He, it should be Doug Lyman. He should do this, mm. and he's he's got an established action record. He can do the kind of sci-fi stuff. It's not him. Okay. Mm. But anyway, there you go. I hope Assassin's Creed fans won't be too upset that I got that wrong. I've it, played a couple of them. the The framing device is not my favourite thing about it. I know it, it divides people, doesn't it? And uh, very quickly, there was a bit of huge casting news that came out. I think last. Fr- it's not casting news. Uh, but a huge news came out Friday, last Friday after the Empire podcast came out, so we obviously didn't address it, and it is that Zack Snyder is going to direct 
the Justice League movie, which will, which will come after Batman vs Superman or whatever they're going to call it in 2016. So I imagine this one will hit in 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. What do we make of this one? Well, for the thing that is honestly most interesting to me about this um, is that it confirms that Batman vs Superman is not a Justice League movie in disguise, which I was genuinely beginning to wonder because they'd cast Wonder Woman, they'd cast Cyborg, uh, Ray Fisher's playing him, and I was genuinely beginning to wonder, is this an entire Justice League movie by stealth? Yeah. Um, so the fact that there is a Justice League movie coming after it suggests that at best we're talking like half a Justice League movie this time, that we're going to have maybe... You know, those four perhaps, but maybe not everyone who could potentially be in the Justice League. I think the, the weird thing about this is that on one hand, you've got Warner Brothers and DC really, really pushing on development of all their comic book characters. They've got Arrow going, they've got Flash going. They're, they're launching loads and loads of them, but they're launching them in different formats, in different media, with different channels. And, and not obviously with any overall plan to bring them all together in the movie. So you've got this slightly messy potential situation mm. where you have TV's Arrow, which is actually becoming quite popular, and then potentially a different Arrow in the Justice League or just left out of the Justice League, even though he's really popular on TV. Well, this goes back to uh, back, in the, uh, back in the day when George Miller was uh, doing his Justice League movie and he had cast a completely different Batman to the one who was... So yeah. if Justice League had come out, it would have come out in 2009, nine, something yeah. like that. So you would have seen Christian Bale as Batman in The Dark Knight and then a completely different Batman, Army Hammer, in the Justice League movies. And then two years later, three years later, Christian Bale again and then Army Hammer. It has to be confusing. There is a sense that they're they're getting their act together to an extent, but uh, Marvel are so good at this. Their world building uh, should be the, the format that, that DC are following, and they they just don't seem to be. They just seem to be winging it, or, making I mean, it up as they go along. Maybe but, they do knows. have some kind of plan in, in motion. Maybe they have plans to tie in the Flash and, and Green Arrow. We don't know that, but but yeah, it does seem a little odd. Um, so anyway, uh, Justice League following on from Batman versus Superman, certainly a vote of confidence, I guess, in whatever they're planning to do with Batman versus Superman. I'm I'm, I'm still not clear on what that is. But obviously it's big. And there is also, you know, talk. They're now saying things like, oh, we would be, you know, very on board for the idea of a, of a solo Wonder Woman outing. They're also talking, which is more interesting, about, about developing some of their other DC and Vertigo properties. Uh, the likes of Fable could be headed to the big screen, which is very exciting. Uh, Sandman, obviously, is already in development um, and so on. So, so, you know, they're definitely making an effort to kind of build these things up and spread them out. Um, the question is going to be how they all hang together, if they hang together, and, you know, how, how well they work. We shall see, indeed. Uh, the plot thickens when it comes to Justice League. Um, also, I think the first Justice League movie will hit around the same time as the third Avengers movie. It does look that way. If Marvel can continue with their three years apart plan for Avengers. So that would be an interesting showdown, wouldn't it? Uh, let's end our movie news section now with some very, very sad news. The great Bob Hoskins passed away on Wednesday uh, at the age of 71 after a, a bout of pneumonia. Um, huge, huge loss. Very, very much so. I mean, you know, he was one of those actors who is good in everything I've ever seen him in. He was even good in Super Mario Brothers. He is, he was a, an absolute terrific presence. He brought so much humanity and kind of uh, good heart to roles, even when he was playing kind of a thug, which which he kind of often did. But you look at him in things like Mona Lisa and uh, and The Long Good Friday, and there's so much kind of emotion going on behind those guys that, you know, it absolutely breaks your heart. The, the final shot of The Long Good Friday is, is the one that he will be justly celebrated for as long as that film uh, endures which I think will be a very long time uh, for me he'll always be Eddie Valiant in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because that caught me at the right time in my life yeah absolutely and it is an utterly flawless performance 
opposite largely imaginary co-stars. But I mean, you know, I I just can't think of a bad Bob Hoskins role. He I love him in Mermaids. He was great in Twenty Four Seven, and uh, he will be very much missed. BT adverts. <laughs> I genuinely love the BT, BT adverts. Yeah, I interviewed him uh, a few years ago for I think we did the magazine called Public Access, and he was just mm. great, great fun. Yeah. You know, just taking readers' questions. You know, he was very, very open and honest about things like uh, he got paid a quarter of a million pounds not to play Al Capone in The Untouchables. He he signed on, and then uh, De Niro became available and wanted to do it, and they gave him the heave ho with a nice check for two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, which he which he bought. And he was very funny on you know the BT ads are walking down the street and people on, on a bus yelling at him going Bob it's good to talk to which he replied to them fuck off it's not I always loved <laughs> no, no. I always loved this excerpt the Guardian did a Q&A with him they asked what is the worst job you've done Super Mario Brothers what has been your biggest disappointment Super Mario Brothers <laughs> if you could edit your past what would you change I wouldn't do Super Mario Brothers I just loved it yet <laughs> every opportunity he got he'd slag it off uh, but he was, he was just one of these very kind of you know plain spoken yes you know say it as you see it kind of guys mm, absolutely he was, he was phenomenal uh, such a great actor such a great character actor as well absolutely. and uh, in this day and age where you know we, we don't have a lot of you know ordinary looking guys who are who are big big stars it, it was great to see it in this sort of Gene Hackman mould yeah and, I mean um, not many people have played <coughs> J. Edgar Hoover and also Khrushchev <laughs> so mm. you know mm. absolutely and of course he retired a couple of years ago about a year and a half ago uh, because he had um, he'd uh, he was suffering from Parkinson's disease uh, but I think he still he still has gone a little bit quicker than we expected, and uh, uh, yeah, a truly sad loss. So Bob Hoskins, R.I.P. Okay, time now for our second interview. Arya Stark is still knocking around in Game of Thrones. Season 4 currently showing on Sky Atlantic. She's played, of course, by the indomitable Maisie Williams, who popped in earlier this week to talk to Nick and Dan Jolin about all manner of stuff. May the odds be ever in her favour. That's that's from Game of Thrones, right? You know, I need to start watching it. Yeah, you should, you should. Actually, on that topic, uh, a word of warning. This is for people who are fully up to date with the show. So there are four episodes that have currently been aired from the fourth season. If you haven't watched all four of the current season and obviously the rest of them before that, please do skip ahead 20 minutes. This is your spoiler warning for Game of Thrones. Spoiler <laughs> warning. Anyway, so otherwise, uh, just enjoy it. Unless you're Chris, of course, and you've read all the spoilers already. Yeah, it's weird I haven't seen it, but I know what happens. So there you go. Uh, if you're him, then do listen. If you're not him and haven't watched mm. the show already, skip ahead 20 minutes. I'm just weird. We are very happy to be joined by Maisie Williams of Game of Thrones. Hi, guys. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to start with a daft question. Can you remember the list of names that you have to, because it's very impressive in the show when you reel off... Well, I mean, lots of people ask me to say the list, but the, it's different in the show than it is in the books, and it changes week from week as well because people are getting crossed off and people are getting hitched up higher depending mm. on how much they do wrong. But um, it always goes Joffrey, Cersei, Ilan Payne. It changes. Mm. How, how many episodes has it been aired Four. already? Yeah. Four. You haven't seen this scene yet. <laughs> Careful now. There's a very great scene later on in the season where Arya says her list, and it's in a very different order, but it's... Very, it's a fantastic moment where she says one of the names, and it's like really dramatic. I won't give too much okay. away, but Joffrey, Cersei, Ilan Payne, then the Hound, the Red Woman, Beric Dondarrion, Thoris of Mere. 
I think that's, that's a, some, yeah. Wow, that's I think that's going. kind of. How how did you feel about uh, Joffrey's exit? Um, well, I mean, thrilled like the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone keeps saying, "Oh, it would have been so great if Arya had done the mm-hmm. deed," and that was, I think, what everyone was kind of hoping was going to happen. It's like, guys, he's dead. You're not happy. You mm. know what I mean? Like, people are complaining that mm. about the way he died, and it's just like. You know, people are never happy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is very sad to see Jack leave the show and the whole world hates Joffrey. And I think that's, you know, that's all you really want when you're playing a villain character. So how much hodoring is there? On set. <laughs> Do you know, there's not as much. I really want, you know, you know, like at festivals and things, you get certain things that people shout out when you're all camping together. <laughs> I want to start a hodor one. I don't know if people will catch on. It depends how many festival goers really watch Game of Thrones. That would be. There's not much on set, but I should start that. You know, like um, Dick and Dom used to do bogies. Do you know where they shout bogies louder than each other and like in public places and it's yeah. really embarrassing? We should do that, but with hodor, yeah. and it would just be the best thing. Ever. It's, it's better than what I used to shout at festivals. Cause it's basically. <laughs> Bollocks. Yeah. Much, much better. <laughs> that was the 90s. I've <laughs> been asked, Maisie, to ask you about the Cinnamon Challenge, which, oh my God. which I wasn't aware of. So talk me through so, it. So the Cinnamon Challenge, I was awful at it. And I should actually do it again. I know. Uh, you just gave me a brilliant idea. I'm going to bring it back. Okay, anyway, watch out for that. <laughs> Keep checking my Twitter. Okay. Um, so the Cinnamon Challenge is where you take a teaspoon of cinnamon... And you try and swallow it without drinking any water as quick as you can. Oh, I don't know about as quick as you can. Just try and swallow it. And it's like near impossible because as soon as it hits the back of your throat, you want to cough. And then this big powder of like orange cinnamon just comes out of your mouth. I think that's what happened to Joffrey. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, Joffrey did the cinnamon challenge and it went wrong. But yeah, that's that's the cinnamon challenge. And I did it with my friends and put it on Facebook and then someone somewhere put on the internet well I mean it was on the internet anyway but uh, there was so much like controversy about it everyone's like that's so dangerous you know but it's like I'm not snorting cocaine I'm just you know taking a tablespoon of cinnamon which is actually mm. edible so stay I don't... off cinnamon kids <laughs> yeah keep away from the cinnamon yeah. children use cinnamon responsibly <laughs> I'm sorry if you say one message away from this podcast is use cinnamon responsibly <laughs> oh man and I want to know what the experience of watching the show is like for you uh, because I imagine you haven't seen most of it, only yeah. your own kind of strand. So do you sit down with friends and family and watch it every week? And- yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't really caught up much on this season. I don't have a television at my flat, but my mum has Sky and everything and the family home. So for previous seasons, I've been watching it there. But now that I've moved out, I don't get to watch it with everyone else. I've kind of got to catch up. Yeah, it's highly embarrassing watching yourself, but I do think it's really important to kind of learn from what you like or what you don't like about your performance. And especially because I'm so new to this and this was the first thing I ever did and I've never done much training in acting or, you know, and there's so many things that you do need to know and, and, and things like that and how to act on set. So I'm just constantly watching other people and learning from them, really. So it, it is important to watch yourself because you never know what you're doing subconsciously I guess and you pick up on little things that you don't like about your performance and you change it and make it you know I just there's always room for improvement and for someone to you know like oh it's so embarrassing watching yourself it is yes but learn like why are you embarrassed because you're doing this okay well then stop doing that and start doing you know what I mean yeah are there little mannerisms that you were doing that and then that you've managed to stamp out (laughs) yeah I mean I do this thing where I like lick my teeth (laughs) 
like that don't even know I'm doing it but I do and so watch out for that and yeah I've kind of got to try and stop doing I don't know but yeah just little things that you pick up on that you're not even aware of and Mm. and neither really should you be because it's not natural to pick out little things that you're doing like naturally if you know what I mean but yeah Aria the character in the books is a favourite among fans Mm -hmm. but you've certainly become one of the favourites yeah there's two different ways of looking at it really like if there's I'm very lucky to be playing such a uh, a favourite character because I know when you're playing, uh, you know, a less likable character, it is difficult with fan reactions. Yeah. But equally, you know, if there's a lot of there's a lot to live up to because you know Arya in the books is is you know adored, so mm. portraying that and you know so it it kind of works both ways really in that it's great that you know people like my character, but at the same time there's a lot of pressure because they're you know looking out each year for. For you know what you're doing and things, it seems like so long ago when I was in that uh, you know set with Charles and I remember he came into a little easy up that I was sat in keeping warm, and he came in and he was like finishing putting on his um, buttoning up his outfit, different stitches here and there, just having final checks, and he came in and said, "Hi, I'm Charlie," <laughs> and I just <laughs> laughed and was like, "I'm Maisie, hi," <laughs> just felt so embarrassed and just so awkward, but um. I think that kind of worked really because Ari is, although she doesn't want to show it, she's mm. very intimidated by Tywin, and um, and it was kind of the same thing. I wanted to prove to Charles that we're not all bratty stage kids, and like you know, and I'm not just because I'm t- thirteen, fourteen at the time. Yeah. I'm doesn't mean I'm going to mess around and I'm going to you know lose focus. I like really wanted to prove because like he's been doing this for years and years and years yeah. and. Just wanted to be like I am actually an equal, and you know I'm here too. And I was cast for a reason, and we're gonna do this scene together. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's, that's that's how I sort of saw. But then you just sat opposite Charles Dance, and he's the most scary person ever. He does not look like a Charlie. <laughs> no, not at all. Exactly. That was the weirdest thing. When Call he me Charles. <laughs> Hi, I'm Charlie. I was just like, no, you're not. You're Charles. <laughs> very, very strange. But um, I'm thrilled that he enjoyed the scenes as much as I did. I just wanted to say, I think vines are one of the most pointless things in the world. The only one I've seen that has entertained me is the is your reaction to the red wedding? <laughs> well, so so basically, the thing with Vine is like I don't know, like it's a huge in America, and there's a lot more like big American Viners than there are British Viners. I don't know. I I it's not as great as it used to be anymore, and that sounds really really bad. I'm sorry. I got it from Carice Van Houten actually. She had a Vine account and she was like tweeting her vines and I was like, oh, this is cool. So I started it and then I did that Vine. But I only Vine things that I find funny. Because, like, if you try and make other people... I don't I don't know. I have a bit of a weird sense of humour anyway. But I find stuff that I makes me laugh, and hopefully it makes other people laugh. And mm. if not, then, you know, sorry. And that one was really, really, really popular. And, like, my Vine account went up to, like, from 1,000 followers to, like, 100,000 followers. And <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. And then everything else I posted after that, people were just a bit like, what is wrong with you? Like, that's, <laughs> that's not funny at all. What so, accent were you, were you doing in that? Oh, what, the... the, the... I, it was kind of like a Texan, Southern American something. It was inspired. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it. I just, like, I was just in my kitchen and I got a flood of tweets like, oh my God, I'm so sorry about 
the red wedding oh my god i'm so sad that they killed your mother and brother spoiler um and then i just thought hey i'll cheer everyone up with a vine like it's okay i'm over it yeah and then people were just like it's too soon how much do you know about what's going i'm not asking you what's going to happen but how much do you know about what's going to happen during those i mean i think they said it's going to be three more seasons but uh well, I mean, I know what happens in the books to Arya. Right. You've read them all? I haven't read them all. Okay. I've, I know what happens through Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents and fans and, you know, yeah. and Twitter yeah. and all sorts. Yeah. But I haven't read yeah. the books. And that's for a reason by that. I want to do Game of Thrones, the series. Mm-hmm first and then I will go back and read A Song of Ice and Fire and, and figure out what was really supposed to happen to Arya but yeah. at the moment we're doing our adaptation yeah. and granted it is you know hugely based upon this this series of books but it is an adaptation and it is confusing to get too many different very similar stories into your head when yeah. things do change but I know what happens so I know what happens in the books but that can all change and I'm desperately like clawing at the writers all the time when they're in like a really good mood on set or it's sunny and we're doing really really well <laughs> I kind of go over and sit down Brian Cogman is like the man that I always go to because he's always around for my scenes um, and he does a lot of the, um, the writing yeah. with David and Dan and um yeah <laughs> always just like you start lightly just like picking with one finger and then once you get like one little thing out you then put both hands in and you <laughs> rip him apart <laughs> and try and figure out what's going to happen to your character but yeah he gives little little things away and then you go to another writer and said so and so and said that this is going to happen is that true or is that not happen-? or then you make something up and say I heard there's going to be a family reunion and then they turn around and go oh I don't know uh, maybe I'm not sure and then it's really really funny so you got to just make stuff up and go and question them about it because anything could happen yeah. anything could yeah. happen I'm pretty sure you're going to write a dragon at some point that would be cool. There's this, there's this prologue that everyone should go and look at on the internet. It's like written by George R. R. Martin, and it's about dragons and the Targaryens. Well, yeah, years and years and years and years and years ago. And it's like all the rules about dragons, basically, and how you can pair with them and how they react to the mother and, you know, things like mm. this. It's like, it's. Uh, I feel like such a fraud being part of the show because I don't know enough about the books and the history of the books and stuff like that to to be able to talk about this, like, confidently. But people who have read this will know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, you should really go and check it out. But, yeah, it's like a, a history of the dragons and, and certain rules that Daenerys is not aware of yet. Mm. Yeah, but we'll see if they do that in the they series. They seem a bit problematic at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When we get to see them. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, like, every time I think, oh, Arya's doing pretty well. It's, you know, it's going well. She's, she's on the right track. And then I, like, watch the trailer for the new season and they see these <laughs> massive dragons and I'm like oh she could take a dragon <laughs> she, she will she'll take a dragon down they're getting so big and they look amazing because it's mad like we get to read this you know months and months and months before and you say oh dragon swoops down and does this that and the other and you think oh that's really cool and then you watch it and you're like oh my god like you just it's just fantastic and they just managed to bring these moments that you never really think are that much and then and then all of a sudden you see it on screen and it just pops and you're like whoa yeah there's some great white walker stuff in the new episode the one that just aired oh, as well. i'm so bad i haven't seen you this. need to catch up i do <laughs> i can't believe i'm telling you stuff <laughs> you're um, telling me stuff about the show that i'm on what the hell <laughs> we are right next door to a shop called forbidden planet which sells geeky 
merchandise. I, I uh, do stuff for Forbidden Planet. Okay, so you know it. Yes. Um, I was just curious what your favourite bit of Game of Thrones merchandise is. Oh, Because there's a lot. Um, I was Googling it. it. There's a, you can get a free-eyed uh, raven plushie, which might be what? my favourite. Oh, found my them. God. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, they brought out these pop dolls. Yeah. Yeah, those were really, really, really popular. And <laughs> it's quite funny because fans keep... It's, I don't. This makes me sound like I'm such a Scrooge and really horrible. I don't mean that. I'm so grateful and thank you so much for everything that you know people send me. But it's very strange when you open a little parcel and it's just a little figure of yourself. And it's like just the weirdest thing. Like here, have yourself. And it's just like it's just so. It's it's just really hard. How many? How many do you have? Oh uh, well. We we gave some away. I'm really sorry. No, we we I have two. I think. Right, okay. They've just brought out. I don't know if they've actually brought them out, and I don't know if it's even been released yet. But they've sent me through an email of like loads of um kind of prototypes and pictures and like concept art. I'm not really sure what it is, but mm. of a new um dolls that they're gonna make of Arya. And um obviously these pop dolls are really really stylized and that's cool. But then there's this new one out which is Arya like in a fighting pose but it's really cartoony as well I think okay. that's coming out soon or is out I'm not sure but that one's really really cool and it's like miniature much smaller than the pop doll and then there's this other one that they're doing which is looks just like me it's not just an Aria it's like definitely Aria from the TV series Aria and like it looks just like me and it's just it, that is really really strange do like they it, scan your face and all that I don't, business no they didn't scan my face but they might have from the show or something when I you were sleeping maybe when I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> they took like a clay mold of my face <laughs> but um yeah that is that is so much weirder than a pop doll because it's just like that this is aria but when when you're looking at a doll that looks just like you when you're in costume it's like it is really really strange and um yeah but that i don't know that those are pretty cool you can also get some really uh, like this really funny t-shirt and it's like sorry ladies i'm with the night's watch <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That's awesome. I mean, obviously, uh, Game of Thrones is a huge cult for a lot of people. That mm-hmm. people are obsessed with it. I'm curious: is there a show or a film or something that you are kind of a bit fan? I'm gonna say I sound so mainstream now, but I I got into Breaking Bad really, really late. Couldn't stop, and it was awful. Like I was in the middle of the most intense shoot of my life, and I was getting like five hours sleep because I couldn't stop watching Breaking Bad. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I was absolutely hooked. The last eight episodes or six episodes I'm not sure um, the last anyway clump of episodes I didn't leave my bed for three days and that is no lie <laughs> I would wake up and I'd go and get my bowl of cereal and I'd get back into bed and I'd watch an episode and then I'd watch another episode and then I'd have a shower and then I'd get back into bed and I'd watch another episode so I was getting up in between but for three days straight I did nothing else <laughs> and then when it ended I literally like the the titles came up and I was just sat there like what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> I literally, I had lost all direction and was like, I, I, where do I go from here? My life is over. And um, I was obsessed. That might have like a tiny smidgen to do with that, with Aaron Paul, but, but probably not. Like, oh, yes. uh, probably not. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Game of Thrones shares a director, at least one director. With, yeah, uh, uh, Michelle Breaking McLaren. Michelle McLaren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I was at the AFI lunch um, earlier this year, which is just celebrating... Um, 
you know, astounding film and television over the past year. Um, and Game of Thrones were, were involved in that. So, And Michelle was there with Breaking Bad and they were on a table a little bit away from us, but like, you know, like a table for American Hustle and a table for Saving Mr. Banks. And it was like the, a room full, like wall-to-wall, crazy famous people wow. and then there was Maisie just sat there like what am I doing here <laughs> it's like Martin Scorsese and I like literally I was about to cry it was the most crazy thing ever but I was talking to, to Dan when I was there yeah. and he was like oh who do you really really want to meet I was like well I mean I'm a massive fan of Breaking Bad so Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul and then he was like oh they're behind you and I turned around and they were just stood there and Michelle was like oh hey Maisie come over I was like I can't I'm sorry I'm talking <laughs> to Dan and then I just turned back around and was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god it's the maddest thing ever but um did you discover any celebrity Game of Thrones fans coming up to you yeah Lupita Nyong I think that's how I pronounce it Nyong'o yeah Mm -hmm. she um I was at like an after party and she was there and I went over and I was like look um she'd just won I don't know because it was award season one of them she won for, I can't remember which award show she was at but she just won something and I said hey congratulations because she had it next to her and it was like amazing I was like hey congratulations on um, you know uh winning and everything and I'm you know the film was fantastic 12 years slave and mm. and she kind of looked at me a bit puzzled and I was like no one knows who I am that's that's cool like you know these waterfall <laughs> celebrities there's Leonardo DiCaprio over there it's cool and I, I was just like oh um uh you know well done and I was just like babbling and didn't really know what to say but then walked away and then like five minutes later she came over and she said it just clicked who you are but I didn't recognise you because I was in a dress and I had makeup on <laughs> and things like that she goes but but thank you so so much and and you know I'm really thrilled that you you know like what the film and stuff like that and that was really really strange mm. that you know this you know person that you've seen in films then comes over to you and says actually yeah, same. You know, it is strange. I saw uh, Samuel L. Jackson was being interviewed and he went off on a huge uh, rant about Joffrey. <laughs> I haven't seen this. So he's um, he's clearly a fan as well. Yeah, that's cool. I know, I think Sophie Turner, who plays Sansa, just did yeah. a film with Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. I think, I think. But um, yeah, that's cool. There's so many like crazy, you know, massive people that you never expect. Well, it's just, it's really strange. One of the muckfly... Um, guys from McFly which is like my childhood like I just was <laughs> obsessed and like I had their poster on my wall and everything tweeted like oh watching Game of Thrones and I it just like it's so crazy that you know I'm I don't know it's just every still every single day I can't get over it hmm. and it's mad and um, I'm so thrilled <laughs> there are all these musicians coming on and doing cameos as well I think that's yeah. a bit of a trend is it Sigur Ross? yeah Sigur Ross were in the the episode the purple wedding yeah and yeah. Uh, who was it at the other wedding there was at the red wedding as well um, oh I can't remember who it was I think I, I'm not sure Gary Lightbody was definitely in one of the episodes with Jamie and Brienne yeah um but I think a drummer from somewhere. Well, I there think. was definitely some some famous band at the Red Wedding. But yeah, so Elin right. Payne. Elin so Payne so is could... played by someone. Elin Payne is actually played by I can't remember his name though. Oh yeah, um, from yeah. oh god, I do hate that when you're like oh yeah yeah so and so from this and that, and then you so just can't remember. The big question is <laughs> if you could get McFly in onto the show, who would you cast them as? Oh god, I don't know. Anything to do with my storyline? <laughs> <laughs> Dougie Point. I I know. Oh god, this is gonna sound so bad. It should be like 
I can't say that. I'm not even going to say it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Dougie Pointer should be <laughs> um, something to do with Aria, definitely. And you could stick Dougie Pointer with the pointy end. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that pun. <laughs> on that note, uh, we're going to have to finish. So yeah, the sorry. lawyers are insisting on it. Maisie Williams, thank you so much. That was a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you for having me. It was Cheers. so much fun. <laughs> Maisie Williams there. And of course, uh, Game of Thrones is on Sky Atlantic as we speak. Uh, before we move on to the review section, a very, very quick plug for the 300th issue of Empire. We mentioned it last week in great detail on the show, but uh, it is fantastic. It's an issue we're incredibly, incredibly proud of. Loads of fantastic contributions from, from world-famous, world-class directors such as uh, David Fincher, Guillermo del Toro, Steven Spielberg, Edgar Wright, Joss Whedon, uh, John McTiernan. Nick went to John McTiernan's ranch to visit him. Cameron David Crow, Lynch. David Lynch. Miyazaki, Christopher McQuarrie. Mm, yep. Um, James Kate Mangold. Coppola. Yep, the both Coppolas are in there. Uh, Francis. There are a couple Sophia. of Coppolas, yeah. Yeah, co- <laughs> a couple of Coppolas. Uh, it's all good. Uh, so uh, if you fancy it, it's on the iPad. It's on paper, which is a thing. Yeah, going to rustle some now. That's paper. Uh, Three ninety nine. I also want to plug. Sorry, just quickly because you didn't mention it last week. Uh, we also went on the set of Twenty Four and Penny Dreadful. Uh, two new shows which start very soon so there's uh, some exclusive world exclusive stuff in there and there is also a subscription offer at the moment which is I think the cheapest we've ever had where you can get 12 issues for £18 it's only one fifty an issue people buy it and all your money goes straight to us uh, it, so it goes directly <laughs> to us uh, it keeps us in uh, clothes with holes in them and mouldy cornflakes and we can so buy some weapons to kill each other yeah we, we can buy a glaive or a lightsaber and as this podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, thank you, Squarespace. Uh, you can now listen to me. This is me. Hello. Uh, I'll be now, through the power of editing, making some cutting and shit. And now you'll listen to me again, explaining how you can take advantage of the Squarespace offer that we have this week. Oh, I'll give you. I'll give you the big build up. Do do it. Yeah, yeah. And bear in mind that there are actually three people in this room that now do use Squarespace. Yes. Yes. I've signed up. I've got a, I'm going to have a, a, a website soon, hopefully, mm. uh, once I figure out how to use it. Um, website, internet, that is. Uh, right, so this is Lie Back, Relax, and Enjoy the Soothing Sounds of Ali Plum talking about Squarespace. Take it away, Ali. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy for you to create your very own professional website portfolio and online store. I have this. I'm not going to reveal the URL to you just yet because it isn't quite ready. I'm trying to get things just right, but it is, I can tell you, simple and easy, very well designed. It's got the drag and drop tools, which just seem so intuitive, and you get 24-7 support through either live chat or email uh, with people both in New York City and Dublin. You even have the opportunity to do kind of online e-commerce with an online store. Every site comes with an online store if you want that. So just start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today, if that's what you feel like doing. And when you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code EMPIRE to get 10% off your first purchase and to show support for the Empire podcast, which is what you're listening to. Uh, Thanks, Squarespace for sponsoring the Empire Podcast. And remember, you know, a better web starts with your website. So there you have it. Thank you for listening to this small bit of blurb. It is gratefully appreciated. And now on with the show. Alan's deep bath. <laughs> it is like a bubble bath, but with your voice instead of the hot water. It's wonderful. Mm. Mm.
baths. Right, let's go to the movie reviews now. The movie's menacing the multiplex this week. What should you spend your hard-earned cash on? Let's start with Bad Neighbours, the latest comedy from Nicholas Stoller. Always a good sign. Uh, which stars Seth Rogen and Zac Efron as two neighbours. Hey, one a new dad, the other a frat party king who wage war on each other. Uh, weirdly, for reasons that none of us can fathom, this is opening on a Saturday, tomorrow, if you listen to this on a Friday, or two days ago, if you listen on a Monday. Or three weeks ago, if you're listening to Thanks, Times. Okay, so what do we think of this? Bad neighbours. Uh, well, this is an interesting premise. So the idea is that uh, a young couple, played by Rose Byrne and uh, Seth Rogen, with their adorable child, this mm-hmm. one-year-old child, is one of the the most the cutest child actors I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, they have a, a house next door. It's for sale. They're you know they're hoping for some fabulous new neighbours, and instead a frat moves in. Uh, it's led by Zac Efron and Dave Franco. And at first, everything seems fine. The guys are very reasonable. They say, listen, if we make noise, just come over and knock on the door. We'll try and quiet it down. They all try and play nice together. They befriend each other. Um, unfortunately, uh, relations quickly deteriorate and uh, the result is a series of increasingly uh, outrageous pranks being played on each side by the other. Um, so, I mean, as ever with, with you know, with Nicholas Stoller comedies and with Seth Rogen films, a lot of this feels kind of semi-improvised um, or even more. Sometimes that's great. Sometimes that could have been edited down quite a bit, I think, and, and tightened up a lot. And there's also... I find this quite frustrating in some ways because I think there's some really interesting ideas here. The Zac Efron character is kind of messed up as well as, you know, looking, as Seth Rogen describes him, like he was designed in a lab by gay guys. He's also, you know, he's, he's actually quite a mess underneath the perfect <laughs> abs. A, a it's line. a great line, that's right? That's a good line. It, you know, there's, he's kind of a mess and, and there's, a, there's a kind of a bond between him and Rogen and, and almost like a father-son or at least older brother, uh, younger brother thing going on, which then obviously is torn apart. And I kind of wish that they'd delved into that because I think that would have been funnier and more original than this you know prank kind of war that they get involved with instead so it was a little bit frustrating for me because I think there's a better film there in the ideas and in the performances than there is on the screen Does it end with and that's when good neighbours <laughs> become good friends. Oh, Dad's Army. <laughs> that is that is a lost opportunity. Yeah, it's a real shame. Yeah. I uh, I do not want to see this film. I have not seen it, but there is so there are so <laughs> That's I, a glowing recommendation. No, honestly, not that it's anything to do with the review, but I'm sorry if you show me enough. I, I go to IMDb and there is a three-second GIF-like image, GIF-like image, mm-hmm. of Seth Rogen pretending to hump a piece of topiary. I know he's trying to pull it out of the ground because they've 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 topiaried it. But you know, uh, comedy yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. it's like he's having sex. Yeah, with yeah. And I just like I, I don't know. There's something about the marketing, and it just feels like you know how Ted was a huge hit, and its color palette was white and green. Mm. Bad Neighbors is white and green, and I'm. I see through you, marketing people. I see through you. I have no contributions further to that. I'm afraid. There's something about the rise of crassness in American comedy that really gets on my stiff cock. Oh, no, honestly, I, I, I <laughs> God. fantastic joke. Well done. Thank you. It's good, it's good <laughs> enough to get into bad neighbours. Let's cut it out. <laughs> no, don't, don't. I'll get my Topri shears like out. That. What I will say is, is yeah, that I just want to talk a little bit. I know don't, we don't have too much time about the crassness. I would love some jokes, please. I'd love some wit. I'd love yes, some, precisely. I'd love some really intricate comedy that's maybe a bit convoluted, some wordplay. Some, yeah. Some something that isn't, and I have not seen this film, so maybe just ignore everything I'm saying. That isn't. Oh, I'm pulling out this tree, and it looks like I'm having sex with it. But the, no, it's f- not all that. I will be in fairness. There's a, there are jokes as well, but yeah, it's it's a little bit heavy on the improvised crassness. I will admit. I just think there's a there's a there's a a danger to improvisation in comedy, 
where it just runs and runs away. I saw the heat recently on a plane, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I, 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 when it, I had low expectations, and it, it delivered. But it was actually good fun. But there was a scene where Melissa McCarthy uh, starts busting the balls of her captain, uh, played by Thomas F. Wilson. And it's a really funny con- conceit where she's basically, she goes into the room and she starts looking under everything and she's going, I can't see them, where are they? And, you know, I and beg your pardon, it's he, a what? Conceit. Conceit. Oh. And, uh, and he starts leaning back, sighing in his seat because clearly she's done this many, many times before. And, and Sandra Bullock goes, what's, what's she looking for? And he goes, my balls. And that's a funny joke. And then it goes on for five minutes after that. And it, you're just like, oh, just dial it down, guys. Stick with the joke. That's, that's, you're fine. You're happy there. Python didn't feel the need to do that. You know what I mean? Mm. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my uh, DVD copy of Neighbours, the 1981 Dan Aykroyd, uh, but that's John Belushi well. movie, which is terrible. But Ali got Dan Aykroyd to sign it for me when uh, he gave me it as a present when uh, Dan Aykroyd came into the office. So just wanted to talk about that. <laughs> Why not? So anyway, three stars. Three stars for Bad Neighbours. <laughs> three stars for Bad Neighbours, which is, as we always say in the podcast. Uh, a recommendation. Uh, let's move on now to Pompeii, in which Paul W.S. Anderson, the genius behind Event Horizon and all the other movies he's directed, makes a big volcano blow up and Kit Harrington uh, saves everyone with his abs. Is this, is this the idea? Yeah. Is this the idea? Well, the, the way I've been describing ish. this film, people have been asking me naturally after I've seen Pompeii, so how's Pompeii? And I go, not very good. <laughs> but I want you to notice the pause. I'm not immediately going, it blows. It's, it's, exactly, it blows. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. It's not. It's it's actually quite overblown. Again, another pun. It's quite full of its own gladiatorialness. Does it disappear up its own ash? It's a story of Kit Harrington's Celtic orphan. You know Kit Harrington. He's Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. He is an orphan who survives a, a Roman raid on his family's village in the north of England. And he makes his way after being enslaved uh, to Pompeii uh, as part of a group of other gladiators who come to perform in their games. Including Adewale Akanoya Akbaje. That's correct. Uh, he meets uh, his character for the first time there and they're set to have this great square off right at the end because the Celt is a fantastic warrior and one of them could get their freedom. Well, Adewale is up for his freedom because he's, mm. he's fought like 99 battles already in the arena so the next one... He wins his freedom. He's about to get his, you know, his ticket out of there. Unfortunately, things get a bit more difficult when Kiefer Sutherland, that's right. Boo! Kiefer Sutherland, uh, who's playing a Roman senator. Who, Extraordinary accent. His accent's a little like this. <laughs> I am going to destroy you. <laughs> this is a film that uses the line, kill him, kill him now. Really? Twice. Yay! So they failed to kill him the first time. Correct. <laughs> no, kill him. Horror. Kill him in 15 minutes. <laughs> kill him when the plot requires it. So, yeah, he's there. I actually really enjoyed him. He's, he's, he's Campus Christmas and his accent does wobble. But I do actually really enjoy him uh, for what it's worth. The love interest comes in the form of... Emily Browning. She is the place, the, uh, the local landed person that has a daughter and that's her. And she kind of finds herself being attracted towards... Kit Harrington's abs, Milo, uh, Milo. And, and abs. Yeah, so there's that going on. The volcano doesn't happen until two thirds way through the movie. It only seems to be really working when the action is going on, but it's quite muted. It's a little bit like the swords look like school play swords. They're kind of that you know square with a little pointed triangle tip, and there's only a certain amount of blood at the top. But when it gets going, I enjoy it. When the volcano goes, I'm 
I'm laughing a bit, but I'm smiling. I have to say the lack of blood I did find incredibly distracting in this. And that sounds a weird thing to say, but they're so clearly striving for the PG-13 racing that you have these really brutal gladiatorial battles. And, and uh, frankly, I would say that the, the volcano is almost more like three quarters of the way through. It's it really, really laid on. And so all the action up until that point is pretty much gladiatorial. And you have people being killed in violent, violent ways with about one drop of blood per person. And it just, it, it genuinely, it's taking me out of films these days when this kind of stuff happens. It's like, if you're going to be a PG-13 movie, if you're not allowed blood, don't kill people violently. Mm. Helen, you're bloodthirsty. <laughs> yeah, it's getting out of hand now. She's I'm definitely so going to win. She's so, definitely uh, going to win. So my, qu- my question is, how does this fit onto the grid of Volcano movies? Because I think we can all agree that Dante's Peak is the peak. Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones is a bit rubbish. It's the nadir, yes. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Well, I will say CGI-wise, I totally bought it. I thought well, when it, time ran out, who could forget? And I will give them props for getting one thing right, which is that, and I'm just pushing my glasses up my nose as I say this, uh, Pompeii wasn't buried by lava, it was buried by ash. And in fairness, they don't show you know, huge flows of lava hitting the town. So they, they did at least pay a little tiny bit of, of lip service to history with some of the, I'm not sure all of the volcano mechanics were right, but at least they didn't completely... They do get it wrong, you know, the whole thumbs up, thumb down thing? That they is do. actually incorrect. They get entirely wrong. When you do a thumbs up, that, means, a sideways that means kill them. Uh, no, sideways is if you're a gangster. Thumbs up means you're going down. But of course, in the modern vernacular, it doesn't. Anyway, it's a bit of fun. It's not very good. Kit Harrington, I'm sure, will have much better uh, luck with Spooks, The Greater Good, which is another movie coming out. He's also in How to Train Your Dragon 2 and has a lot of things on his plate. He's on Seventh Son, which is a similar kind of period romp. But that's He's been... barely in that. Yeah, he's, it's been delayed by a couple of years. So who knows? Anyway, so here's to Kit. Hopefully there's more coming from him later. I love the idea of uh, the volcano showing up in a post credit sting and already being confined to that. I think you're the only volcano in this. <laughs> in Italy. Um, all right, so two stars for Pompeii, which is not a recommendation. Although if you like abs and things exploding, not necessarily linked to the abs, then uh, go along to see Pompeii. All right, uh, next up is US crime drama Blue Ruin. Yeah, this is probably the best film of the week. So it's about a homeless dropout, which is not usually our typical starting point. Um, he's played by a Macon Blair. Apologies if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Um, he Blair, learns. that's right, yeah. Blair is right. Okay, good, thanks. Um, He learns that the man who was convicted of his parents' murders has been released from prison. And he sets out to to even the score. But in the course of so doing, he reignites uh, his family's feud with another family called the Clellans, who are dangerous and criminal and bad. Uh, And so things go dangerous and criminal and bad for him. (laughs) Um, So this is, I mean, it is, you know, that so far kind of so typical right but um, what's interesting here is that the director Jeremy Saulnier and this is really his first kind of A movie if you like he did a he did a a B movie a black comedy called Murder Party a, a few years ago but he uh, he he just gives it kind of twists. He gives it kind of real world twists uh, on the on the kind of concept. So you know, for example, it's a it's a kindly cop who tells him that this this guy is out uh, out of prison. It's not you know somebody who's being a hard ass and kind of trying to bang him up as well. He he has a really terrible car which gives him car trouble. You know, which again is not typical. He he finds a, a gun which he's going to use uh, for his revenge scheme, but he can't break the trigger lock on it. You know, so he has all of these kind of non-action movie obstacles. Uh, in his way um, and then you know even when it when it gets to the sort of slightly more uh, climactic kind of confrontation and a sort of almost a siege situation again it's it's not 
your typical siege. It's not your typical gung ho hero. And and it's the the film pay, it plays as much um, attention to the kind of the the emotional you know problems that he's suffering, the emotional grief and fury uh, that he's suffering, as it does to you know the mechanics of oh I'm going to kill you now. Mm. Uh, so nobody in this one says kill him, kill him now, um, which is which is a bonus. But uh, but yeah, this is this is really tough very lean and we give it four stars four stars for Blue Ruin which is the best film of the week also out this week is Brick Mansions a US remake of the French action classic District B13 that also marks the first Paul Walker film released here theatrically anyway since his tragic death last year we gave that two stars uh, there's also Tarzan 3D starring Kellen Lutz as a voice of Tarzan which is every bit as good as that sounds two stars there's a thousand times good night which gets three and a re-release of the Kubrick classic Paths of Glory which is a five 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 situation plenty to keep you occupied there should you wish of course and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast sponsored by Squarespace join us next week for more film related fun when we'll be joined by the man with the biggest helmet in movies Michael Fassbender because he's got a helmet in X-Men and he wears a helmet in Frank yeah, it's more like a papier-mâché giant face mask. He calls it a helmet in the interview we did with him. Interesting. Yeah, so, and I managed not to snigger. Well done, me. Oh, and um, very excited about this guy coming in. Mm-hmm. A.N. Other, TBC. Wow. Mm, brilliant in that uh, film, television, video game, or play that they're in. Amazing. Really excited to see them coming into the booth whenever that happens. Let's hope it does. And that's it for this week's Empire Podcast, sponsored by Squarespace. Goodbye from Helen. Farewell. It's goodbye from Ali. Lemons! <laughs> crazy guy. It's goodbye from uh, Jurassic Nick. Uh, goodbyings. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to buy a second-hand glaive. See you next week. Bye.